Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hey there, welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. Today for you, I am sharing one of the most popular episodes that we have had thus far on the podcast, and it's really relevant where we're kind of stuck between Valentine's Day, we have Easter coming up, a lot of people are thinking about warmer weather and the you know more social events, the world kind of opening up again. And so for a lot of people that I work with, sweets, carbohydrates, they are big topics while you're healing your relationship to food. And so the episode that I'm highlighting today is a story share from a lovely person named Anne-Marie, who was a long-term participant in my group program, The Realign Community. And sweets and carbohydrates were a big theme in her recovery. And we detail really where she started and where she ended up with them, what they meant to her from a physiological standpoint psychological standpoint and how they came into play. Her story is incredibly relatable. It hits on a lot of things that many of you go through. And what I love about having these discussions with people that I've worked with is stories are so relatable. So hopefully there's something that you pick up and it means something to you and you feel understood and heard and something that you can also apply to your own journey. So without further ado, going to hop into the interview with Anne-Marie. And if you ever have any episode ideas for future podcasts, feel free to email me or DM me on Instagram so we can do that. I want to know what you're dealing with right now, what some of your worries, your problems, what's hard for you and help solve those. So thank you as always for listening and I will hop into it now. Welcome, Anne-Marie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How about you? I'm good. I am good. So I am just so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked about, you know, hey, the importance of sharing our stories and sharing certain aspects of our stories. It can be easier to kind of focus around, you know, a specific thing, but So many of us have had this experience of a stressful relationship with food. A lot of us can kind of date back to around the time where that began. So when we're starting to talk about your story, I think it's very important to visit that. When when did eating become stressful for you? And what was that like? Yeah, I can remember even just as a kid, I think my first memory was when I was around seven and even just thinking, that I can't have candy like the other kids because I'm bigger. And I wasn't even, I was not a big kid by any means. So that idea, I just always had that carrying through from elementary school to middle school, even like say middle school, for example, I knew 
like quote unquote knew that I couldn't get a cookie from the snack line at lunch, even if I wanted it. So I just always had that in the background. Yeah. That's so painful. Like at that age, you just feel so different and you're already lacking that permission to eat freely. Yeah. I feel like I never had the permission until after going through your program. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And how did that, you know, where that started in school and feeling like I can't even get the same things as the other kids in line, where did that take you with your relationship with food over time? Yeah, I think so. High school was when I truly started to restrict. Like I even prepubescent thought I was so big. So of course it was just, it was not going to go well through high school. It quickly turned into a cycle of restrict all week and then binge all weekend. It started from, oh, I'll just have a cheat meal. And then it felt like such a need that it turned into a cheat day and then it was a cheat weekend and then it went into Monday. And I just felt so crazy that why do I feel this crazy need to have, and it was mostly dessert. So, and that it's funny because that was obviously what I told myself since seven years old that I couldn't have. So no wonder that looking back on it now, no wonder that's what I was binging on. But at the time I felt so broken and shameful that I didn't know how to make it stop. And I had no idea what it was, especially in high school. Yeah, because you think the the overeating is the problem. And we can definitely get into more of that later. But it's you feel like, oh my gosh, this is this is me. This is just what I do. And you had been doing for so long. Yes. And I just saw the restriction as such a high and mighty thing. Like I'm so great. And then it just putting myself on that pedestal. And then every weekend knocking myself down to the worst possible place. Yeah. And it sounds so lonely, like you were just in your head so much about it. Oh, yeah. Every day was just all in my head about how can I restrict more? Oh, no, I had this Reese's cup. Now I can't have anything later. Just that back and forth all day long in my head. Oh, my gosh. And do you remember, like, where were you getting these messages? Was it like health class or diets or... What was that like where you're like, sweets are so bad? Or was it because of your own experience with them? I think it was a big combination between, you know, you hear from friends, from family, from the media, from, I remember in health class in high school, what our 30 second lesson of binging was, (laughs) binging is when you eat a ton of food in a short period of time. Literally remember thinking to myself, that's dumb. Who would ever do that? And at that point, I was already binging and just didn't know what it was. I just thought, oh, it's a cheat meal. Oh, it'll be okay. I'll get back on track. So it's crazy that I I had to Google in order to finally figure out what binging was eventually in high school. Say I was like, I think I'd been binging for about a year before I even realized, like every weekend, basically, before I realized that it was binge eating disorder. But sorry to get back to your point that I think it was a whole big combination of people around me. And then high school was when social media became a big thing. So I followed all the fitnessy people. I think it was a big combination of the people, actual people and celebrities and media and that bad health teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I actually have a worksheet that I created. What did you learn in health class? Because let's go ahead and undo that. (laughs) (laughs) Not universally. I'm sure there are some amazing health teachers out there. 
but there's also some that definitely <laughs> absolutely well I think it's because we think oh food isn't a big deal so we you know it doesn't harm so we can talk about it and not realizing that it can really damage our relationship with food if we're especially at that age you didn't know the different you just knew good and bad and so the nuance that exists with food and oh you know here's what this food does for us here's what this food does for us that wasn't going to be something that would have been easy for you to grasp at the time because of your age. And so you just hear, this is good, this is bad, and I'm bad for doing this on the weekends and just gets so stressful. Yeah, it was a lot of shame involved. Yeah. So you were, you were Googling for sure, trying to figure out what is going on with me. What did you try and change? Was there anything that you sought out or did? Yeah, so once I kind of self-diagnosed myself, I went to therapy both in high school and college. So tried a few different people and they did help to a point. But what no one could answer for me is how do I get rid of this overwhelming feeling that I have to binge? It felt like such a need. And that's what made me feel so crazy. Why do I have to do this now? And so because I just like felt so unfixable and And also whether I was in class or hanging out with good friends, if I got that feeling in my head, I could put it off for a bit. But I knew when I got home, I would have to binge that I would go to the store and, you know, get a box of donuts or whatever it was. It was always dessert. And we'll get, I'll (laughs) get back to that in a bit. And it wasn't in the house because I also felt like if I have this in the house, I will binge because I just felt so overwhelmed by food. So I'm just trying to say that no one could tell me how do I get rid of this need. And that's what I felt like was the huge problem that I need to stop binging. But so probably late senior year of college, or even a little after college was when I finally read Brain Over Binge and The Effort Diet. And so those books was what finally told me that the reason why I feel so crazy around food is because I'm still restricting. And I didn't see myself as a restrictor. I just saw, I just was told I was a binge eater and that's what I thought I was. I thought that I'm so gluttonous. I'm so horrible for overeating all these foods. And so no one ever asked me if I restricted. And so whether that was because they judged me for my size or that I just came into therapy being like, I'm a binge eater, help me fix this. So I get it, whether it was like a combo of the two. And it would have even taken a few questions to get me to say I restricted because I didn't think of myself that way. I remember that for you when we were working through that because it was such a, a light bulb of, oh my gosh, the restriction is actually the problem because for so long, because the binge eating part, is a thing that's most shameful. It feels more tangible because it's it's something you're you're realizing that you're acting out and it is just, it feels terrible and it feels like the problem, right? Yeah, and I thought that I, well, I did restrict less over time because I realized to a point, I realized, okay, I can't do this, but I still want to diet. So I thought that, (laughs) I thought that you had to restrict that everyone had to restrict in order to keep their weight. And so I thought that because I was allowing myself a cookie again, that I wasn't restrictive. But the whole time I was having the cookie, 
I was telling myself, you're going to have to work out later. You can't have dessert later now because you had this. And that would be every day. So it was still so restricted and I didn't realize just because I came from a place of a lot more restriction that I thought, okay, like I should, why am I still gaining weight? Why am I still binging when I'm quote unquote, not being restrictive? Yes. Yes. So you peeled back layer one and I know brain of revenge and the effort diet both talk about this. Like you have to eat enough. Like that is always step one. And so you kind of were we're starting to bring it in a little bit here and there. But like you said, you were still in this restrictive mentality. So it was happening on a level that was almost more socially acceptable, but still not enough for you. So that must have actually been even harder because you're you're like, oh my gosh, so here I am. I'm doing what I'm quote unquote supposed to. I've, I'm making some strides. I've gotten some tangible changes finally, and it's still happening. Yeah. And because I was still gaining weight, I was in a bigger body as this is all going on. So I thought I have to restrict in order, I'm gaining so much weight, I have to restrict in order to not gain more. And so it was just a big mind boggle of, and of course, society doesn't make it any better because that's what made me think that the restriction isn't wrong, that the binging is what's wrong because everyone, wherever you go, is talking about dieting and how, so no one, no one near me or no one in the media that I saw was claiming restriction as a bad thing. So that's why I thought binging is so, so the bad thing. And like, surely this is my problem because look at my body and not realizing, oh my gosh, anyone of any shape and size. And, and even to take it further, some things that we recommend to people who are in larger bodies would be considered eating disorders in other people. Yeah. So I definitely let my size, just like how I said, maybe the therapists judged me by my size. Maybe they didn't, but I judged myself by my size a ton that maybe if I was in a smaller body, I mean, who knows, but maybe if I was in a smaller body, I would have been less restrictive because society accepted me more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much grief in that. It's interesting because you are bringing back in therapy now. After working through all of this stuff, it's such a deeper, you're working on the shame now with your body and you peeled away all of that other stuff and now you're getting into it. And that's really cool. Yeah. Because now I'm going to therapy for my body image, which was kind of what, I mean, I feel like the body image came first because that's what made me even at seven years old think, oh, I can't have candy like the other kids because I'm bigger. So even though that came first, I needed to heal the like physical and mental restriction because that's why I think the mental restriction in the end became more of the problem over time. And that's why I thought I'm still gaining weight. I'm still binging. Am I still binging when I let myself have a cookie? And so because the mental restriction made me kind of go on with this restriction longer, that's what made my body bigger. And that's what I'm trying to heal now is this bigger body that I don't totally feel comfortable in yet, but I'm far more comfortable. It's funny because I think right now I'm more comfortable in myself than I was when I was at my smallest. And when I was at my smallest, I still thought like I have to lose more weight. It was never good enough. So now it's a matter of knowing that 
yeah, I caused some damage and now I'm repairing it from my brain in my image of my body. Yes. Yep. How you're experiencing your body, how you see your body. It's so complex. There's all those different angles. That's what I feel like for you, the biggest journey in Reline community was centered around that mental restriction and kind of filling at, in the gaps and, and finding those, hey, I, I told myself I can have those things, but only with all of these conditions attached to them. Or gosh, I'm still really addicted to sugar. My day is ruined now. I can have this, but I have to be careful later. Definitely. You're probably listening because you want expert help changing the way you think about food. If you're tired of piecing together random information and doing this alone, we have everything you need in Realign Community, where for only $79 a month, you get live support from me, weekly calls, videos and worksheets, a community Facebook group, and email support so you can figure out where you're stuck and take action. You can check that all out at realignedcommunity.com. When we were working through that in the community together, what changed? What did you kind of learn about yourself during that time? I think it was a big learning process that first learning that I was still restricting that I thought because I'm big, I don't need to... The last thing I thought I needed to do was add more food to my day. (laughs) And that was the first thing I needed to do was throughout the day from breakfast, lunch, dinner, first of all, eat more. And then I wasn't crazy hungry by the end of the day, first of all. And then, so the hunger piece was first. And then second was having satisfying breakfast, lunch, dinner. And then I didn't feel the need to have a crazy huge dessert because I wasn't having what I wanted all day long. I could have French toast for breakfast. And then for lunch, if I still wanted something sweet, which I, of course, did because looking back, I restricted sweets for over 10 years. So, of course, I'm going to want a lot more sweet things in the beginning. And I still, even to this day, like say this is eight months later, that I still think I eat more sweets now than I may in the future because I'm still having more sweets now than. I will have, say, a year from now, because I'm still getting to the point of seeing desserts as neutral. Over a decade of not having them at all. Yeah. And some people may say, well, you had them for the, like, you binged on them. Why isn't (laughs) that enough? But it's because I was telling myself the whole binge and the whole, or even if I wasn't binging, the whole time I ate any dessert, I was telling myself, you can't have this. You're why would you do this? You're out of control. You're a sugar addict. So this is the first time I'm experiencing desserts in this way where I can actually enjoy it and not... So that's why it's different. So I could have French toast for breakfast and then at lunch have that peanut butter cup. And at night, if I want some more, go for it. Because I know it's about trusting that I'm not... Because I thought it was a sugar addict because I thought that I'm having a cookie at lunch and I'm having chocolate at night and it's still not enough. That has to mean I'm a sugar addict. But now I know that I could have all of it. So it is enough because I'm not mentally telling myself all that stuff. Permission now. And you 
started to regain trust in yourself. Yeah. And so from the beginning, I think like the first thing I did was say, get like an individual cupcake from the store and be like, okay, this is going to be my dessert. And it's not that I can't have more than this cupcake, but it's that I would feel overwhelmed if I brought in 12 cupcakes right now. So it was just about slowly incorporating it, but not telling myself, you can't have more. It was just, I knew that if I brought in 12 cupcakes, I was going to be overwhelmed by that. So say it would go from one cupcake and then another day. So the individual sweets, and then maybe a few weeks later, I would bring in a bag of chocolate chips. And knowing that I can have as much as I want, if I overeat this, this is okay, because I haven't told myself that I could have chocolate chips all my life. So it is okay. It's a slow process of normalizing it. Yeah. And I still have to say that to myself some days that this is okay. This is like, so it's just over time taking bigger and bigger steps. And it was stressful. Trust me. Like it was not (laughs) a walk in the park because I had so many thoughts telling me, don't do this. Don't do this. Like if you have French toast now, you're going to have 10 more French toasts later. So it, it was still, it was still fighting myself a lot. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were part of the community. So we could, you know, hop on a call every week and, Hey, where are you at? What's going on? You're like, here's the thoughts I've been hearing this week. Let's break them down. (laughs) Yeah. And even like telling myself from anywhere from an acai bowl is too much sugar to Gatorade. (laughs) And I didn't realize how many things I had to overcome. I'm still kind of finding out some things today that there's a lot of desserts in this world. So, um, <laughs> like this is a different flavor. So, I think I'm kind of starting over here. We have a new a new process to unfold. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while with that mindset that each new thing was a kind of a different stride, but now that I've been practicing that a while, it's not as big to overcome with each new little difference in food. Right. You know where you are in it and you know what the process is. You're not thinking, oh my gosh, I'm back at the beginning. Okay. This is a new thing. And so here I am going through my process that I've learned again and you work through it. Yeah. Like one day, say maybe three months in, I had peanut butter and jelly for breakfast and lunch because I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't had jelly in years. I want it again right now. Sounds like you were committing massive crimes (laughs) in diet culture world. (laughs) That sounds so enjoyable. You were talking about how hard it is and to go through this process and, you know, being part of the community was, I know, super helpful. What would you say to someone who is going through it right now? So I think it's building trust with yourself because for all these years, you've been told that you need this diet, you need to do keto and Nutrisystem and all these different diets in order for your body to know how to function or exercises. So I think it's just, it's slowly, slowly learning what does my body crave right now? And in the beginning, it's going to be a lot of the, you're going to crave chocolate way before you crave a salad. Because if you've been forcing yourself to have salad every day, or even 
just if you tell yourself, I have to have salad at least twice a week, then you're not going to crave that because that's what you've been forcing yourself to have. So it's about learning how to be okay with, I'm going to crave the things that I told myself was bad. And that's really scary because I've told myself they were bad for so long. So it's just about building trust with yourself that you are not doomed to eating chocolate for the rest of your life. At some point, you are going to lose that excitement. And it's like, I'd say in the beginning, it's way more than excitement, just like how the binge felt like a need. Even when I wasn't binging anymore, it still felt overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, I need so much chocolate because you're finally telling yourself it's okay. So I think it's knowing you're going to have these overwhelming emotions towards the foods that you've told yourself you can't have because you created these strong, strong attachments to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it takes a, a while to build trust with yourself. I'm still doing it. I feel so much better than before. I don't feel crazy around food. I don't feel, I know that if I have pancakes for breakfast, that I might be hungry a little sooner because pancakes aren't as filling, but that's okay. And I know, even though there's the tiniest voice in my head saying, oh no, you had sweets for breakfast. I know that nothing bad is going to come of that. I had a satisfying breakfast. And if I want sweets again later, then go for it. And maybe, maybe I won't, maybe I will. And each day is different. So it's coming to learn your fullness, your cravings. It's a lot to learn that you've been told that you can't trust yourself with since the dawn of time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Since that lunchroom, <laughs> you know, at age <laughs> seven, it takes so much time, so much time. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't know that I had been so brainwashed to not trust myself, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool that, you know, you have taken so much of the edge off and worked through so many things that had such a high level of intensity that now you're in a space where you can hear yourself, you can talk through yourself, talk with yourself through these little tricky moments. But overall, you're just trusting so much more. It's not perfect, but it's so much better. And I think that's, that's realistic and that it will continue to get better. You will continue to build trust over time, especially now that you've brought back in the therapy after sorting through so much of the food stuff, which just got up and up from here. Yes. And the, the body part is still hard to accept, but I now see how no matter what size I was going to be, I was not going to be happy in that body. No matter what size you are, you deserve to make peace with food. And I promise that that peace and not going through your mind all day long of what you could have done better is so, so worth it. And that, and that the body acceptance will come after because I just think that no matter what size anyone's at, that if you're not at peace with food, that it doesn't matter what size you are, you're going to be at war with yourself and always, always want to be smaller. It'll never be enough. Yeah. You'll always be suffering and striving. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. It's witnessing your healing process and being part of it has been such an honor and you have truly come so far and you're very inspiring. And I want to know what is your favorite sweet right now? <laughs> what are you eating this month? 
Well, thank you so much for saying that. That's really sweet and means a lot. But let's see. Well, I've been baking a good amount. Like I made shortbread chocolate chip cookies. It's a New York Times recipe and it does it justice. Um, I think I I found it because it apparently broke the internet last year. I was not aware, but too busy stressing. Yeah. Oh my God. True. (laughs) I was too busy worrying about food to know about this wonderful recipe that it broke the internet for good reason. It's the perfect combination of that buttery shortbread, but also you get like the brown sugar from and chocolate chips and everyone needs to go make it right now. (laughs) And I no longer care if I have one, two, three. I know that I don't have to worry that I'm going to have all 12 of them or, and baking used to be a stressful thing for me because I would, it would be like my cheat and stuff. So it's so great to just bake for fun and not have to worry that I'm going to eat it all. Yes. Oh my gosh. And you can bake them again. (laughs) Yes, I I definitely will because I made them for Thanksgiving and I miss them already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a perfect time. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, for being here today and sharing your story. I know it will help other people and inspire other people. And it just means the world that you were willing to come on and talk with everyone about it today. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be your first guest. And this is my first time on a podcast. So I'm very honored. Thanks to you for listening. Find me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.